This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, November 15th. If you don't know Rusty West, CEO of MarketScan, you should. I've been fortunate enough to learn over the last couple of years that he is one of the most generous people in the industry, often giving away insight from the massive stockpile of data his company collects simply because he wants to give back to an industry that has done so much for him and his family. Just because it's good for the industry. I've heard him say that more than once in my conversations with him. Giving thanks is a reflection of philosophies his father, a pioneer in auto leasing in the United States, instilled on West in something that is core to how he runs his business and how he serves clients. Today, MarketScan helps dealers, automakers, and lenders calculate penny-perfect payments by harnessing and aggregating millions of data points, including incentives and lending rates from both captive and non-captive lenders. The data gives West and his team deep insight into what is going on in automotive retailing. He says technology and digital retailing is the most significant trend he's watching right now and how consumers increasingly want an Amazon-like experience when shopping for a car. He says the industry is scrambling to deliver that experience, and he says that process is exposing some tremendous deficiencies in dealers' ability to deliver a customer experience that includes all of the pieces needed to serve up a consistent and accurate experience, particularly when it comes to financing a deal. The shortage of new vehicles, says West, is also impacting rebates and incentives automakers and dealers are offering. He says overall rebates have dropped, and that drop hasn't been volatile with sharp hockey stick-shaped curves. Instead, rebates and incentives have seen a relatively linear drop most of the year, and today are lower than they've been in a very long time. That is, except when it comes to hybrids and EVs, where incentives and rebates have increased over the last several months. What other retail trends are Weston team watching? What's the impact on rebates and incentives when inventories begin to normalize? And what kinds of deals are consumers making today as they shop for vehicles in the midst of an inventory crunch? Here's my discussion with MarketScan CEO, Rusty West. Rusty, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve, and I appreciate you having me. I, I always enjoy our conversations. Always. We've had some wonderful conversations over the last couple of years. Uh, appreciate all the time and effort that, that you do working with Automotive News, etc. For our audience's benefit, can you start by telling us a little bit about MarketScan? What's the inspiration behind the business? What's the mission you and your team are on? Uh, sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to distill it down to something short. Uh, we are essentially an automotive payments as a service uh, provider. Um, and that is based on the aggregation of massive amounts of data from the manufacturer's rebates and incentives uh, through all the different lending institution offerings, all the municipality taxes, registration fees, uh, laws, rules, regulations, and um, all the terms and conditions under which the dealerships are willing to transact. And our goal is to be able to provide a scientifically perfect solution for any conceivable automotive transaction, regardless of where it touches the consumer along their journey, all the way up funnel, um, all the way through the process and into the dealership when they go to take delivery of their vehicle. 
I know your relationship with your dad was very close. You say you've been in this business um, uh, nearly as long as he was in the business. Can you talk a little bit about how much of an influence your dad has had on MarketScan's story? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so my dad was in the car business since long before he ever met my mom. And he was one of the main pioneers of auto leasing um, for the U.S. Uh, he wrote Ford's retail lease plan, which became their red carpet lease. That was, I think, the late 50s, early 60s, and uh, worked with a bunch of lenders and manufacturers to get them um, into the leasing business. Uh, he had an independent leasing company in Atlanta when I was in college that was a very high volume store. It was five, 600 units a month. And uh, so when I graduated college, I wrote a software package for his leasing company and um, called Lease Profit. And that ended up being the first commercial product that we sold. Uh, my dad sold his leasing company to his partner and um, went into business with me. And we did it together for a long time. And uh, uh, he passed away in 05, but uh, uh, he's still in the halls of this place every day. So. Well, you can you can absolutely hear it in the conversations we've had. You can hear it in the conversations that I've been fortunate to have with your team. Can you talk a little bit about how his influence is reflected in the team and what you do every day in MarketScan, how you treat each other, how you serve your clients, et cetera? Yeah. Um, I, our, our, I don't know if our organization is a unicorn or if it's common. Um, it, it's the only thing that I know because it's the only thing I've ever done, but uh, – uh, when I was growing up, I always remember Thanksgivings and uh, any of the you know, holidays and stuff. If there were people who worked for my dad who um, didn't have a family to go to, they always came to our house. And so we, we always had huge Thanksgiving dinners and there'd be half a dozen or so people uh, who just worked with my dad. And um, his whole premise of business was it's a family, right? You know, you're not always going to get along great with everybody in your family, but you got to still be a family. And uh, so we've worked really hard at MarketScan to try and create that family environment. We, we kind of joke around and say we're this gloriously dysfunctional family because we're made up of people from all walks of life. But, uh, but we really do work hard, play hard. We really do get along well. And uh, it's really, um, it's a treat to be able to uh, work with some of these brilliant people and solve big, big problems that are challenging to solve um, and be supportive of each other in the process. It's, it's, I don't know, for me, it's kind of Zen. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds that way. All right. So let's turn, talk a little bit about the industry. What are some of the most significant trends in automotive retailing that you're paying attention to right now? Technology, I think is the biggest one. Um, the, the pandemic, I think really forced uh, an evolution in the automotive space. Uh, so uh, the consumers are really looking for an Amazon type buying experience or shopping experience. And I think everybody in the industry is scrambling to be able to provide that. That process I think has brought to light a tremendous number of the um, deficiencies in the offerings that dealerships are able to provide. And then some of the digital retailing players that are in the marketplace uh, are just missing too many pieces. So the big push that we're seeing is truly consistent, accurate, um, modern retailing processes from first point of contact all the way through delivery of the vehicle. And that's been super refreshing for us. 
What are so a lot of the data that you do is is focused on incentives and payments as you dis, discussed and, and shared. What's the latest on incentives? How have they trended for 2021 and what do you expect incentives will do in 2022, particularly as we navigate this the chip shortage and and uh, low supply of new vehicles? That's a great question. The the rebate the overall rebate spend has um dropped and it hasn't been a like a hockey stick drop um, or an inverse hockey stick drop but it's been rel- relatively linear um, most of the year and um, and it's lower than it's been in a very very long time uh, oddly enough the um, hybrid in the uh, electric vehicle uh, rebate stack has increased a lot over the last three or four months um, but every other sector has dropped a bunch um, I don't see there being a tremendous amount of volatility in the rebates and incentives uh, over 2022 because um, I don't know when the vehicles are going to hit, right? As soon as the chips come, then obviously vehicle production will, or all these vehicles that are sitting there waiting for chips will be able to get rolled out. And then we're going to have a completely opposite shift in the what, the laws of supply and demand, right? But, um, but until that happens, I think rebate spend is going to be relatively low. Uh, because we don't have to, um, we don't have to throw money on cars in order to move them. Because there's not that many cars out there. Do you think one thing's curious to me is the models, the actual vehicles built in 2021, 2022. Well, maybe not so much 2022. Let's say 2020 and 2021. They're coming off the line, not fully complete. They're sitting. Some are sitting in lots waiting for that that final chip for assembly. At the same time, low inventory of these new vehicles is driving a lot of of demand and and you know, to your point, not requiring a lot of rebate incentive on the hood to move them. Do you see a point where automakers might need to put incentives on twenties and twenty twenty ones? maybe even 2022s to offset any concerns that folks might have with quality warranty recalls down the road of vehicles that have built and been built in this what sporadic cycle if if sporadic's the right way to describe it i don't know um that's a really difficult one to analyze i think you'd almost have to look at it on a per manufacturer basis uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's going to be this mad scramble to produce vehicles. I think that a lot of the the manufacturers are sitting on just stockpiles of vehicles that are just waiting for ECUs, right? They, mm-hmm. they, need, they need chips. So the manufacturing process, I don't know, has changed that much. I do see that there's risks if they ship vehicles to dealerships, and the dealerships are the ones that have to go get all these things, you know, installed um, because it's not happened on the assembly line, but. I don't know that they're going to need to um, incentivize the sale of those vehicles. I think that once those vehicles hit, they're going to sell. Um, it's just a matter of when. And, uh, you know, we, there's such right now there's this huge pent up demand for vehicles. U.S. consumers are sitting on more savings than any time in history. There's trillions of dollars in savings. And, you know, eventually when the vehicles hit, We'll have a 90 to 120 day period where we sell more cars as a nation than any 90 to 120 day period since the invention of the automobile. The mm. question is, when's that going to happen? Right. And and I don't think that there's going to be rebates or incentives necessary to have that volume 
um, of sales happen. I think it's just going to happen because the it's literally the perfect educational example of the application of the law of supply and demand. Right now, there's no supply, demand's high, right? And then mm-hmm. when demand, you know, when there's a ton of supply and demand's really high, there's a boatload of volume. And then when supply's high and demand drops, then we got to start um, throwing rebate money at it again, or maybe, you know, uh, solve the problem a different way. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service link. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. So what is all of this doing in terms of vehicle payments and some of the data that you sit on, some of the data you collect, some of the data that you analyze on a daily basis? What's going on with vehicle payments? That's a really interesting one. So um, rebates have slipped, right? So there's there's much less rebate money out there, which means there's basically less consumer money um, as far as additional down payment on the vehicles. Um, cars are being sold for a premium. A lot of vehicles are going over window sticker that would never be MSRP cars um, normally. And the lending institution spend, even though the the buckets might be different, has remained relatively flat. So if you look at just the lender segment, there's not that much difference. If you look at the combination of the rebates, the lenders, and the uh, dealership selling the vehicles for a premium, monthly payments are much higher than they normally would be. So consumers are doing a couple things. One, they're getting vehicles that are um, maybe a lesser vehicle than they normally would drive to keep the payment the same, or they're spending more money currently or on the new cars that they're getting um, than they would have 18 months ago before all this stuff started. I'm curious, when you think about these loans down the road, your your, economics 101 uh, principles of supply and demand people making these payments financing these vehicles buying these vehicles at the height of the cycle do you think that they are in the risk of being upside down at one point as volumes start to normalize prices start to normalize is there a danger of maybe going underwater with some of these deals in the future i think it's uh <laughs> all of them are going to be underwater uh 
not not necessarily all of them, but I think a very, very high percentage of consumers are going to be in a negative equity position um, for quite some time. Uh, you know, as crazy as the market is right now, I think the smartest thing for a consumer to do is to lease something for two to three years. Uh, the, you know, so you're going to have a higher payment, but at least you're not going to be buried in this thing three years from now. Um, the there's a there's a bunch of interesting impacts that, that I think this will have, um, regardless whether you're financing or leasing it. If you're accustomed to making a higher payment, then when you do get ready to transact on another vehicle, either your lease is up or you want to trade that one in. Um, you're probably going to get a more expensive vehicle because you're accustomed to making a higher monthly payment. It doesn't hurt as bad as it did. You know, the first six payments are the ones that hurt a lot more than the last six you made, right? So, uh, yeah, so we're going to have to deal with negative equities, which as a nation we've done cyclically every seven years since the beginning of time, it seems like, and for sure in the last 30 years. Um, and uh, we're going to have consumers who are accustomed to paying more. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. Talk about how you're helping your clients navigate all of these trends and how they're responding, uh, how the business has grown over the last couple of years. Give us a, a state of the business um, and starting with how you're helping your clients navigate all of all of this uh, volatility going on in the market. <laughs> yeah, so the, the one thing that's absolutely consistent about the automotive industry is that there's zero consistency anywhere in the automotive industry, which I think has been uh, been very good for us. You know, as a, uh, we're, we're basically an agnostic um, analytic company, right? We, we aggregate massive amounts of data uh, and try to figure out, okay, in any particular scenario, what's the very best um, solution? And the very best solution is the one that either generates the cheapest monthly payment or lowest monthly payment, everything being equal, um, uh, for a particular transaction or one that takes the customer's payment commitment and generates the most profit. And when we look at the market, if we look at the market nationally, um, almost exactly 50% of the leases that are out there, the most competitive program is the captive lender, which means that almost exactly half of them is not the captive lender. On finance contracts, it's about 45% captive, 55% non-captive. And those differences, when it's only two, three, four bucks a month difference, nobody cares, right? If it's only $3 a month more, I'm going to send them all to my captive lender. Um, I'm just because I'm comfortable with that. But sometimes the difference are 30, 40, 50% payments. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the progressive large lenders, the Ally Financials, the U.S. banks of this world, are really aggressively going after the vehicles that they want to have uh, in their portfolio, the customers they want in their portfolio. So there's some tremendous opportunities. And taking all of those items into consideration, I think, solves problems for uh, the, the dealer and the consumer a lot, which is how do we move these cars in a manner where the consumer's happy and the dealership's happy as well. And then if we take those analytics and all that information associated with it, and from a lender's standpoint or a manufacturer's standpoint, we look and say, all right, we're $100 a month cheaper than uh, Toyota Financial Services on this particular lease. We probably get the same volume for $20 a month cheaper. Uh, we're overspending here. Um, same thing with the manufacturers. You know, we're spending a billion dollars a month on rebates, maybe for 700 million, we get the same volume. Uh, so it's, you know, you got to 
look at all of it together and try and solve the problems for each sector in the market and um, try to come up with a solution that makes everybody happy. Talk a little bit about electric vehicles. Conversations going on in Washington regarding a perhaps $12,000 credit for electric vehicles. Are you seeing any trends when it comes to rebates, incentives around EVs that are interesting? Very interesting, yeah. Uh, so um, I was doing a demo uh, just a couple of days ago, and um, uh, a vehicle popped up, and it was a Jeep um, Wrangler um, Sahara 4SE or XE. It's a hybrid. I was unfamiliar with the vehicle. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I looked, and I was like, oh, this doesn't seem right, right? This payment is $150 a month cheaper than everybody else, and there's a $7,500 residual value adjustment from U.S. Bank. And, you know, so I'm like, yeah, hold on a second, because this doesn't look right. So I called one of the guys from our data department. Is there a $7,500 um, federal um, uh, rebate or federal tax credit that the lending institution gets because they're the register owner of a vehicle on a lease? And rather than pass that through as cash for down payment on the transaction, they applied it to the residual value, which I thought was absolutely brilliant because it dropped the monthly payment a whole lot, right? Um, <laughs> but the consumer um, or the the lending institution doesn't have that residual risk because they've literally bought down the residual value, 7500 bucks. They added it to it, and they got the money up front. So that was a pretty cool trend. Um, there's all kinds of um, EV-type vehicles and um, electric vehicle rebates right now. And I don't see them going away anytime soon, which is great. So we'll see how the other lending institutions play with it. But I thought U.S. Bank did a brilliant job with that one. So as this $12,000 credit assumes it gets passed, are you expecting more or less incentives on EVs as in, in the future? Well, I, if you get a $12,000 check from the government, I don't know how much more you'll need from the manufacturers, right? Um, Absolutely. But... Uh, I think the manufacturers are going to do the same thing. I think the manufacturers and the lenders are going to do the same thing they historically do, which is once this hits, they take it along with all the other data points. They run their analytics and they look to see where are we in the market? Are we competitive? Do we need to make adjustments? And, um, uh, you know, it's if there's one manufacturer out there with big rebates that are above and beyond this federal money, um, that may put them in a position where they're offerings are much more attractive to consumers than and others, then the other's going to have to respond in kind, I guess, in order to uh, go after that same market. So, You think we'll ever see incentives on the recycling end of the you know, vehicle life cycle? Uh, you know, lots of conversation around electric vehicles and what makes them so much better on the environment, obviously less pollutants, but the batteries can be recycled and all of those things. Partly that requires consumers to actually go through the process. Do you think we'll see these kind of end of life cycle incentives at some point? Uh, maybe. Um, I, I, we're going to have to do something with it, right? I, I think what we're going to see, uh, we're, we're going to have a big, giant chunk of vehicles that are going to come from a particular era where we have a mass. We've got all these batteries we've got to figure out how to do something with. Um if I had to guess, we're going to get to a point in the not too distant future where the consumable cathodes of these batteries 
mm-hmm. don't get consumed. Literally, they'll be able to make one that'll last for almost uh, almost into perpetuity. Uh, very, very close to that. Uh, when that happens, then you look at the battery just like a fuel tank at that point. You know, you just keep putting fuel in it, but it's electrons instead of petroleum, and we won't have that problem. So we're going to have to deal with um, a generation of electrical vehicles, batteries, but eventually I think we're going to get to the point to where maybe even those batteries can be taken and put in a new vehicle and um, not have to use a new battery. Such an exciting time, such a dynamic market right now. What's next in the market scan journey? Any exciting milestones ahead? Uh, yeah, um, several. Um, we've uh, uh, just started, we're actually just past QA with a with a manufacturer-facing um, analytic tool that took us about about a decade to get the math right on super complex problem to solve. Uh, so we're very excited about that. And we're also starting to work with a lot of the um, the the big marketing companies, the big ad companies, uh, where we're touching consumers much, much further up funnel than we normally have. So that so it's kind of interesting. It's like, okay, we're way, way up funnel on one side and we're we're pretty far downstream on the other side. And um, starting to get traction in both of those spaces. And both of them are are relatively new to us. You know, historically we've been in the dealership space and the tech space and some lender space. Um, so very exciting times for us, but we're also uh, learning a lot in the process. Yeah, and such an important time for these these milestones as you're describing, particularly as consumer data privacy becomes more important. You've got the browsers sunsetting use of third-party cookies, at least here in the United States. It's been underway for, for several years, but that notion of understanding the consumer and being able to serve up things that resonate with them a little bit more targeted is going to be harder to do in the future, and it sounds like you're making plans to be part of that future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. Rusty, thanks so much for joining me today on the show. Terrific insights. Congratulations to you and everybody at MarketScan for for the growth and and for the success. We look forward to watching what's next in the MarketScan journey. Well, thank you, Steve, for having me. It's, uh, It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and I wish you the best as well. That's Daily Drive for Monday, November 15th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.